Your hosts are here, Sammy and Michelle. By the end of this podcast, you'll know them well. Adulting, navigating the journey of life. Careers to relationships, pain and strife. Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo. If there's another direction you want to go, find purpose, passion and mastery in all that you do with Status Post Adulting. Hey, Status Post Adulting family. This is Sammy. And Michelle. And you're listening to our 78th episode where we are talking about prosperity blinders. Yes, we are, Sammy. And I'm so excited about this topic because I actually thought of it because I was continuing to listen to the Big Sean Jay Shetty interview that I mentioned last week on our podcast. Great episode. And he mentioned really thinking through like the blockers that you have, things that you may have inherited from your parents. Like he says specifically, you might inherit your hair or your eyes. But you also inherit a lot of different beliefs from your parents. You grow up hearing certain things, which sometimes we don't realize how those things end up affecting us in the future. And so Sammy and I wanted to delve in, take a look at our own blockers, our prosperity blinders, the things that are preventing us from finding success that we don't even realize exist. Prosperity blinders. What does it mean? Prosperity, we know what that is. That is our blessings. That is our riches. That is our goals being achieved. Blinders are those things that horses have on the sides of their eyes that prevent them from seeing the bigger picture. If you're a horse, I would want to say it's a good thing for you, but it's a good thing for the person sitting on top of you and trying to use you to guide them. We all have our own blinders that we need to remove. And that's why we're talking about prosperity blinders today. Well said, Sammy. And you can have different type of concepts for any type of subject. It could be money, relationships, spirituality. There are so many different things that influence the way we approach life. And we were specifically going to talk about some that relate to especially our thoughts about things like money, work, success, that sort of thing. Where do we begin, Michelle? I'll tell you where we begin. We start <laughs> with our main money blocker, one of, our, one of the big ones we had growing up, and it was true for both me and Michelle, and that is that saving money, being excessively frugal, it's the same thing as being cheap. Something we heard growing up, or at least later into our childhood, was Why do you want to save a bunch of money? Do you want to have a golden casket? It's true, Sammy. For whatever reason, our parents always had this idea that you should be spending money on things, and they really viewed frugality as being cheap. And that was something that I think we kind of knew wasn't necessarily true, but it was like a blockage I had that I didn't think that much about until later in my life. When... I wasn't necessarily always the most frugal. Exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were many arguments between our parents and the cashiers about prices. But in general, they viewed being excessively cheap as really 
stingy, like a really negative and ungenerous characteristic. So we kind of associated frugality and an ag- aggressive savings attitude as really ungenerous. It's interesting, Sammy, because I think a lot of people think that frugality and cheapness go hand in hand. And you see that sometimes when you talk to people about things like personal finance and saving money and investing money. And a lot of people think that that means like, oh, I have to fight for every cent when I'm tipping or try to just do really cheap things, like be one of those people on extreme cheapskates. And that frugality is really an imposition on other people. And I don't find that to be true. And I think that when you open your mind and you actually plan ahead, you can both be very generous and still be very frugal with your money. And if we weren't saving too much money, we didn't love investing it either. It's true, Sammy. For both of us, I think partially because we grew up during the recession in the late 2000s, but also because I remember people just telling us stories like our mom about how she had invested money into a stock and then it went down and she had lost her money. And so I definitely thought investing was really risky and I was really nervous to get into it because I was like, ugh, I don't want to lose all my money. But I didn't really understand like the nuances of investing. Even when I learned about it, I still always really thought in terms of buying one stock, which is very risky. But I found that when it came to investing, I was super, super risk adverse. I agree, Michelle. I think coming of age, you know, in 2007, 2008, that's when we're trying to get jobs. That's when we're trying to go to college. And we don't see the market as something reliable. We hear on the news that the stock market is dropping. We just like our, our journey with money started with this idea that stocks go down and they can ruin people's lives. And, you know, that's the time like Enron is failing and things like that. So I think for a lot of people who came of age at that time, the idea of investing seems a little scary or a little risky. It's so true, Sammy. And it's interesting because this actually ties into another prosperity blinder that I had, like a, a notion that I had that just didn't seem to be true. And that was that everyone had access to information that I don't, particularly in this case, in terms of personal finance. I think it comes from maybe this idea of like class or something along those lines that there were just other people getting a better personal finance education, that other people just their parents talk to them more about money. I don't know what it was, but time and time again, I think I assumed everyone else knew what they were doing and that I wasn't able to learn or become better. And so with things like even like investing or saving or financial independence, some of these things I was just like, oh, well, it's complicated. I don't understand it. Should I really, is there more to know about it? And it's so true with personal finance is that No one, like a lot of people are not getting this information. I would say 99% of people don't learn this in school. They don't learn it from their parents. And a lot of times we're just too shy to ask more questions or dig into it more ourselves. I agree, Michelle. Like I remember always sitting in those HR open enrollment meetings and the little presenters will come and talk about stuff. And a lot of times people don't have that many questions and you're just kind of like, well, I guess it must make sense to everybody. And if it doesn't make sense to me, I better not be doing anything crazy in that space. And now that I understand a lot about money, I realize like very few other people actually get it. And really, everybody should be asking the questions that they have because 
it's honestly not that hard. It just involves a little bit of time and effort to get to know this stuff. Exactly, Sammy. Like a lot of companies have really good resources that you can reach out to, that you can email, and you can just ask them about every random question that you might have. And if you're willing to go and have those conversations, if you have the time to have those conversations even, right, then you will know more than other people. Like there have been so many times where then I'm explaining to my coworkers because I realized like, hey, none of us really understood what a high deductible plan was. It's so true. And a lot of times these people, like people at Vanguard, people at Schwab, you can ask them for help and, you know, understand that, you know, they're limited and what they can explain to you and everything like that. But just go in with an open mind and just like listen to what they have to say. Ask your questions. You know, you're not trying to like necessarily invest in anything that they're offering you. Just asking them questions for help about how to invest and what these different tax implications are. And they're like excited to help you. Like the people that HR often hires for their investment accounts, they're like excited to see that someone's asking and interested. You know, that's why they joined that job. They want to help people understand money better. Sammy, that is such a good point. I've called all of my banks before and they are so helpful. I'm always surprised. I'm like, I'm asking some crazy question. And they, a lot of times they're customer service, so they don't even really have an end goal. Like they're not necessarily trying to sell you something. Right. And they have so much access to information or they can point you in the right direction. And one time they actually, they were able to show me that my HR had actually given me the wrong information. And so I was going to make a decision based off something I got from my internal resource, which I don't blame them. They probably just didn't know. And the company I was speaking with was able to actually clarify the details. And I ended up making a different decision because the thing I was worried about didn't exist. Yeah, Michelle, I feel like both this investment group and my last one for my 401k and my tax advantage accounts, they're always like, they're so positive. They're like, you're so young and you're doing this. This is so great. Like, I can see the little dollar signs in their eyes. They're like excited for me. And you're right. Like, especially if they're people who have no other financial incentive to point you in a direction, a lot of times they just are happy to help out. It's so true, Sammy. And speaking about work, I will say an idea that I was raised with, it relates to work, it relates to family, is this idea that you need to sacrifice yourself for your family, for your work, for whoever. I just feel like that was instilled in me in so many different ways. It's so true, Michelle. I remember when I started my first job, I had to like work. It was either Christmas or like I was going to miss our family Christmas party. And, you know, these family parties and family in general is really big to my parents. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to have to tell them that I'm going to be working Christmas. And they're probably going to want me to try to find someone to replace me last minute. And I was anxious about telling them that I had to work this day. But then I told them and they were like, oh, no, this is good. Sometimes you just have to work holidays. Sometimes that's part of your job and you just have to do it. It's okay, You know, that's not a problem. It's a good thing. And they would also say things like, you know, pick up a lot of shifts, work the weekends, work the evenings. Especially when I first started working, they wanted to put that mindset in me that like, If your boss is asking you something, like, say yes, like, go the extra mile. That was definitely a narrative we heard a lot growing up. It was something we saw our parents do. Like, they made a lot of sacrifices for their work. They were always willing to bend over backwards for their job. And the reason I want to highlight that this can be a problematic idea, especially to carry throughout your whole career, is that 
It's the opposite of setting boundaries. It's this idea that if your work, and insert, you know, family, friends, whatever, if your work asks you for something, you should automatically say yes, which that's not necessarily the case. A lot of times, if you give enough heads up, you can get a vacation off. A lot of times you just have to ask. Like sometimes we're so afraid of even asking to have something. And on the flip side, sometimes your employer sees that you're a super willing person and they just end up really taking advantage of you, taking advantage of your time and wanting you to do as much as possible because they want to squeeze the lemon and get every dollar out of you. Yeah, Michelle, as our spirit guides would say, we were not put here, like our sole contract is not to do the W-2. So of course you want to be a good worker. And of course you want to respect your workplace. You know, you don't want to be calling out all the time for no reason and things like that. At the same time, you know, you want to respect yourself and, you know, take vacations appropriately and not, you know, pick up shifts when you want to do other things. You know, you want to set boundaries with your workplace. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, Sammy, this is a blocker that I still have to some extent. Like there is a huge part of me that's like, if you are young in your career, then you shouldn't be pushing back. Like I think if I was starting a new job today, my first job, maybe out of college or something, I would still have this mentality. Because I do sort of have this idea that as you're earning your place, as you're getting familiar, like, yeah, you should take the brunt work and you should do all these things. And it's funny because I can just see that, which luckily I'm not in that place. I think as you get further along in your career and more comfortable with your company, you also hopefully will set more boundaries. But I still feel that blocker. Like I still can see that it's there, that I have this sense of like almost guilt too. I think my narrative is that you will show your company that you are valuable And they're less likely to, I don't know, like let you go or something if push comes to shove. I agree, Michelle. And I think it is becoming increasingly common for young people to actually start realizing this earlier. And I agree with you. I still have some of that old school mindset that like you got to be a hard worker. You got to do all these things. You got to go the extra mile, which involves extra hours and unpaid work. And a lot of young people, the younger generation, the Gen Zers, they aren't really following that narrative. Right. And now there's like way more opportunity in the United States than there are people. So they have that luxury too. It's Mm -hmm. also a mindset that I think changes depending on supply and demand. Truth bomb. Which brings me to another point. A lot of times, one of our prosperity blinders is that our value is tied to our job, our J-O-B. So true, Sammy. This is such a blinder that I have, especially when I was leaving my job and I didn't want to work. I thought it was going to be so taboo when I would tell people I'm not working. And uh, people are always so supportive. So many people were like, it's so awesome that you're taking a sabbatical. It's so cool that you're taking time off. Honestly, they don't care, which is, I think, the thing that I just didn't appreciate. But my ego was so tied to it. And I think people feel that at different stages. Like if you lose a job, if you want to retire, Oh my gosh, like I feel, I don't, I don't even know where it came from. I think I just knew at a young age it was important to work. It's like a societal norm. And it was hard for me to leave my job and just not have something to validate that I was a person in this world. I agree, Michelle. This is something I'm working on right now. You know, as I'm getting closer to retirement and things like that, I'm just like really trying to deal with the fact that, you know, I went through all this training, I have this job where I help people on top of that, like my job involves helping lots of people. 
And I think without realizing that I'm doing it, I put a lot of my own personal value on the career that I chose. And it's hard to undo that. I think, of course, you can love your job and you can love whatever work you do. But I don't think your job should ever stop you from doing what's truly in alignment with you. I think especially like when you're going from a place where you have like a job that has like a high status or even just like a high value where people are like, you know, you're a caring person, you're helping people, you're, you're doing good in the world. And you're going to maybe move to something where like you're maybe doing not so much useful stuff for people potentially. It's, I, think, I think that can be difficult to leave that type of situation. But at the same time, I do believe that like when we are in alignment and we, when we do what is like most aligned with us as an individual, we really prosper and we really get joy in a way that we can't get at just any old job that we might choose. Exactly, Sammy. It was something that I realized that was this idea that I had that was rooted in something in my past. And working backwards, I was able to let it go. And I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to these prosperity blinders, these money blockers that we have, these different narratives that we tell ourselves. The reason we think this is a good exercise to do is because you can go back and actually take a little bit of time to see where where does this come from and how is it affecting me today? So you might be wondering, what are my blinders? And that's a great question because we all have blinders. We all have guidelines that we're going by that we're put into our mindset somehow. And it's a little bit hard to recognize them without deliberately trying to figure out what they are. So true, Sammy. The way we see it is you can really break this down in two different steps. The first one that we found helpful was just think about what are your thoughts on different major topics. In the example of money, what are your thoughts on saving, investing, spending? Like what do you immediately think? Maybe write those down or think through those. And I think the most important thing at this point is just see what you think without judgment. So don't think saving money is cheap and then go, ooh, that's negative. Just first get down what those thoughts are. Negative, positive, no need to judge them. Just get down what your thoughts are on these different topics. Yes, Michelle. And then find out where these thoughts came from. Maybe you think saving is cheap because your mom was so cheap and she always kept the house at 63 degrees. And because of that, you had to wear like sweaters and socks all the time. And you're like, this is so impractical to be cheap. Like when I get money, I'm going to actually use it. But just to clarify, that was not our mother. No, 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 that was not our mom. She was very generous. Yeah, I think she'd be be very upset. (laughs) That was a hypothetical scenario that had nothing to do with our family. (laughs) But, you know, look and see where that money belief came from. Because sometimes that can really tell us you know, why we feel so strongly. Mm-hmm. I was listening to this podcast and I want to say it was from The Great Man Within and they were doing this interview with John Martini. And in this interview, he just references that if you think about where these come from, sometimes it's a parent, sometimes it was like an eight-year-old in the playground that said something to you about your ears Sticking out to your head. I don't know if you're like Obama. Why wouldn't you pay to get those pinned back? (laughs) (laughs) Very specific eight year olds. 
But you, you're, you don't even realize it. Like if an eight-year-old came up to you today, chances are you wouldn't be offended by what they say. Hopefully. Please don't take your value off eight-year-olds. Though I guess maybe the unfiltered truth is what you need to hear. Just kidding. <laughs> but the point being is that you look and you're like, oh my gosh, if this person, like this manifestation of this person said this to me today, I would never really take it too seriously. Like I don't, you know, I think we're all a little bit older, we're a little bit wiser, we're filtering information a little bit more. So it's good to go back and see where the belief comes from because a lot of times you're like, shoot, whether or not it's true, who was this source? Like, would I even listen to them today? Exactly, Michelle. And then think about whether this belief, which ways does it serve you and in which ways does it limit you? Because a lot of times it's not black and white. Just because your mom kept the temperature at 63 degrees and it was freezing doesn't mean that now you need to buy a Lamborghini. (laughs) It's so true. It's like there's a balance, you know? (laughs) And I think a lot of times we can flip to one side when those kind of things happen. So I think we can look at things and see, you know, how is it useful? Hey, I'm glad that she kept it at 63 degrees in one way because we never were late on our payments. And maybe there's some positives, you know, maybe because she was frugal with her money in that way, you were able to go to summer camp and get to experience that. Maybe because she was frugal with her money, now you don't have to worry about paying for her long-term care or nursing home in the future because she's, she's financially set. She's financially stable. There's good and bads to most scenarios. I'm so glad you said that, Sammy, because I think it's also really important to always remember that a lot of times, like when I think about our parents and growing up and the different things we learned from them and the different lessons we had, whether they were positive or whether they don't serve us anymore, is that regardless, our parents, like I know, did the best that they could with what they had. And they had different resources than we did. They didn't have as much access to information. There were so many other things that it just feels so wrong sometimes to try to apply what I know today on them. And I mean, hey, we don't even have kids, so we don't even have that perspective. Mm -hmm. It's it's true, Michelle. You know, back in the day, you had to wait for Susie Orman to come on on, (laughs) you know, whatever day or once a month. And you didn't have the internet and you couldn't do all the things. And now it's so easy. The information is literally everywhere if you want to seek it. But it was a different time and things were different. Oh my gosh. The Susie Orman is a direct reference to our mother. Loves the <laughs> Susie Orman. She loves Susie. So let us know what you think. Let us know if you find any interesting prosperity blinders that have been running your life to some degree. And yeah, message us. Yeah, you might think of something that also applies to us. Let us know. You know where to find us. At Status Post Adulting on Instagram, statusposadulting at gmail.com. Text us. Reach out to us. We love to hear from you and share with a friend. And most importantly, be sure to join us next time as we put down the rule book and rethink the status quo. Hello there. Welcome to Status Post, the episode. Title pending. Title still pending. This is a segment we've tacked on to the end of our show Mm -hmm. where we will just chat with each other. The episode's done. The topic is done. But we wanted to leave free space because we know sometimes people like to chit chat with us. We're lingerers. We linger. We lurk. We 
We, we love- <laughs> Lurk is a different one. <laughs> <laughs> Lingerers, not lurkers, not loiterers. And speaking of lurkers, this week, I, maybe like in the past few weeks, I got a message from the Fire Dating site, which you guys know that I was on. Fire for Financial Independence Retire Early. Highly recommend this dating site, despite this current story. There was an attractive person who was a pilot, seemed kind of outgoing, like a nice, like kind of chivalrous person, which is not the typical characteristics of the people there. They're, you know, more, a little bit more conservative, frugal, conservative with their emotions as far as being vulnerable with others. And, you know, I was like, you know what? This guy's attractive and he seems really open. You know, this is great. So we were messaging and things were seeming to go, okay, a little, he was a little, um, you know, a little like super definitely thinking about the future a lot. You know what I mean? Sammy, I'll say it. Sammy showed me he was super hot for sure. But I'm trying to work through a lot of my avoidance stuff, different <laughs> prosperity blinders that I have. And I was still like, oh, <laughs> man, this guy is... He loves love. Michelle, <laughs> she, she doesn't like people who come on strong. And I actually no. like people who come on strong a lot. But this was even a little much for me. But I was like, you know what? It's fine. So I was like, you know, let's set up a call. And let's actually talk because I don't like to message for too long. This is already kind of difficult to schedule. But we got to the talking. It wasn't a video call. First red flag. Well, I would say the first red flag was that he asked to talk on the app Signal. Mm-hmm. Sammy's like, have oh, you yeah. heard of this app? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure someone told me the like, CIA is on Signal. I'm like, hmm. Super encrypted. Okay, super encrypted. And he's like, on the app it said his name was Mark. Like, it was like, Mark, the Cloud King. I'm like, oh, so what's your real name? And he's like, Ryan. And I'm like, oh. I was like, but your thing says Mark. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's Mark Ryan. I'm like super biblical. It makes a lot of sense. Okay. I First off, do you think Ryan is somebody in the Bible? Maybe it is. You think it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Ryan? It sounds familiar. <laughs> Did you ever hear anybody go Ryan 415? <laughs> we got Brad 314. <laughs> we got Jimmy. <laughs> and you remember Chad 65. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. So there was that. But then in the call, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I I made a lot of my money by investing in Bitcoin early, which like, first of all, if you're into fire, you know that like nobody in the fire community would do that. I mean, hey, like if you invested in Bitcoin early, that's great. Yeah, it was great, at least. Well, that's the other thing. He was like, I like made my wealth off Bitcoin. I was like, he still got it. Like... Is he having an anxiety attack right now? He's like, he's like, my net worth is ten million, and I'm like, so was it like twenty last month? <laughs> is it down to five? <laughs> Which, like, you know, fire people like to talk about money, but that was like a little bit more arrogant than like a typical fire conversation. Like the first thing he talked about with me, and he was like, yeah, you know, I love to like fly, I love to travel to different countries, and. I just love being in the sky. You know, it's just like a different perspective on the world. And my favorite place that I want to take you to is Paris, which I was like, really? I'm like, (laughs) I feel like worldly people do not like Paris that much. Okay, first off, that's a blocker. We have never been to Paris ourselves. And I I would love to go to Paris. Don't get me wrong, Paris. Mm -hmm. I'm coming for you. 
But I just, you know, I hear like Paris is overrated kind of situation. You know, just in case any of my potential boots are listening, I'm totally fine with Paris. (laughs) (laughs) We're in the middle of nowhere, so Paris probably is an upgrade. (laughs) And he was like very aggressive about our future life together and telling me about this, about how we would fly around the world with his kids, which I knew he had kids, (laughs) but like they were with us all the time. And then he's talking about... We'll pick a spot to live and we can run his little airplane parts sales company. And I'm like, dude, I am such a lackey in this uh, (laughs) fake scenario. I wasn't just, I just wasn't vibing with it. He pretty much asked me zero questions about myself. And anytime we try to schedule something, I feel like he thinks like my job is just like such a nuisance. And I was thinking, okay, you know, I help people, but you know, I'm a blocker about that. So I got to be mindful, you know, I have to be mindful about it. Long story short, I ended the call. I thought it was a little suspicious. We, we, we were in a misalignment. But also, I was thinking he was likely a fraud. Yeah, Sammy. So basically, Sammy was telling me that she was suspicious. And she was just like, maybe I just don't get rich people. And I said, that's a blocker. Mm-hmm. But this does sound weird. And so we were talking about it. And I Googled pilot, found nothing. Googled pilot long hair because he has long hair. Mm-hmm. And his photo comes up. And I was mm-hmm. like, is this him? And Sam is like, I'm not sure. So we click <laughs> into this guy's Instagram, Dimitri, and we find the exact photos. Mm-hmm. Our girl was catfished. Me, I was literally catfished. And it's fine because I was trying to find a way to break it to him that it wasn't going to work out between us. Oh, I, I also just want to say, Sammy and I had a whole conversation about the Tindler Swindler mm-hmm. and <laughs> who would get scammed. And I'm not, look, this is not your fault. I'm not saying you got scammed. But off the air, I did say to Sammy, you know, the reason I think you wouldn't get scammed is because you would be so overly concerned about his poor financials. Yes. <laughs> that you would first do that, then actually give him money. And I feel like this is a situation where you would have been like, if he had asked you for money, which this is, that's where this was going, I think. Oh, 100. If he asked me for money, I would have been like, you should have diversified your assets. Like, <laughs> as soon as you realize all your money's in Bitcoin, come on, you know? <laughs> yes. So I reported it to Dimitri. I reported it to the fire dating site. And I told this fake pilot guy that... His long-term plan is just not aligned (laughs) with my long-term plan. Sammy ended things with him. She ended things with the scammer catfish. Like, not like, oh, you scam. Like, she was like, I don't see a future for us. I just want them to know that, like, that kind of reality is not what every girl would want, you know? And maybe some girls want that, but he should probably ask before... Just assuming that somebody else is going to want to be on the same page Why are you trying to help him scam more people? Like, what is the end goal? Are you, like, he might not be trying to find love. Maybe he has a wife and kids and he's just, this is a side hustle. And the worst part was. (laughs) (laughs) So I sent him a video by Esther Perel about intimacy and eroticism and why it's important to maintain space in a long-term relationship. Because, Why? <laughs> because, you know, if you just like kill all the space, like, yes, you have a super intimate, like best friend relationship, but that eroticism, that like excitement, the romance is gone a little bit. And <laughs> which anyways, we have a whole episode on this. So if you find yes. it interesting, go listen to intimacy versus eroticism. Yes. So then he messaged <laughs> me on the fire app, which mind you, I've already reported him. So I'm probably like my whole conversation with him is probably under investigation by them. <laughs> 
I will also say that before this, you had asked a video chat too. Oh, yes. Yeah. See, this is how I would have found out eventually, even if he was better at talking to me, is I asked a video, video chat him and he like never really agreed to that, which is like majorly sketch. Especially if you look that good, you're going to want to chat it up. That's what we were talking about. He was like, oh, I want us to like get to know each other first. I'm like, I have never yeah. ever met a hot person that was like, Oh, no, let's, like, get to know each other's personalities. Like, this is not a rom-com, okay? Mm -hmm. They're always, like, boom, best feature. That's what I'm always, like, I'm, like, let's see me. Like, let's do this. Mm -hmm, I'm here. mm -hmm. I'm real. Lucky you. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm not a fake, (laughs) okay? (laughs) And you're about to find out. But, yeah, so he messaged me on the Fire Dating app, and he was, like, I tried to respond to you on Signal, but I saw you deleted it. I know you want to get into a physical relationship (laughs) as soon as possible. Which, mind you, I did not say that. I literally just sent him a video about Esther Perel and intimacy versus eroticism. And now I am so embarrassed. (laughs) The fire people are going to go on there and be like, what the heck was this girl doing on there? She wanted to get physical as soon as possible. (laughs) She's like so thirsty for this dude. And he's like, no. And then she found out he was a scam. (laughs) That's why you don't, I don't even know why you responded to him in the first place. That's the most ridiculous thing honestly if you're listening to this and you don't think it's ridiculous please let me know <laughs> you this don't need like, to break up with a scammer please if you ever find you're being catfished scammed ask for money do not respond to those people ever period it's like there's a part of me that just like can't help but write all the wrongs that i feel like i see <laughs> and i just like want to like tell people I'm like, i have to tell you i have to tell you how i feel about this yeah i think that's a a, a blinder you need to look at <laughs> oh gosh anyway that was it Interesting takeaway from our, well, from Sammy's fire dating app situation, which... But if you're trying to find a hot pilot to follow on Instagram, just to kind of get your blood rushing every once in a while, (laughs) we'll link to his Instagram. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sammy's like, oh, I'll send him a message. I'm like, and then don't hit on him. (laughs) I was just like, there's a fake account. He's like, I'm I'm done with the fakes, me. Okay, me, don't respond any further. <laughs> me, that is so terrible. What happened to you? <laughs> I was like, this man does not have a relationship with you. Please remember that. <laughs> Probably has a wife because he has photos of his kids too. He seems like a nice man, has a whole life together. Anyway, thanks for listening. Status poster episode. We will see you next week. Bye. <laughs>